let's uh, try the exercise once more. We will uh, start by again focusing on the breath and then uh, try to look at the picture of the woman with a quiet mind, letting go of any verbal thoughts, any images, any sleepiness, paranoia, and so on, letting go of the out-breath. And after we've looked at the uh, woman with a quiet mind for a little while, then we will turn and try to do the same thing with the man. Okay? So, let's uh, start again with quieting down by focusing on the breath, looking down at the floor or with our eyes closed, Con los, uh, depending on how agitated we are. women and practice the method for quieting the mind of letting go in the same way letting go so tired Then we put down the photo and let the experience settle. So, it's interesting, isn't it? For many people, we find that the amount of mental wandering and uh, verbal discussion that we have for concerning different people, like in this case a man and a woman, it can be quite different. As somebody of the same race and somebody of a different race. Actually, when uh, we do this training in full, then we work with pictures of an older man, an older woman, a young man, a young woman, and a small child, because that and from a variety of races and backgrounds, because that then gives us quite a large spectrum of different types of people. Most people uh, have the most mental wandering, actually, with a small child, because you think, oh, how cute. So again, any questions or comments? What I noticed during this uh, second time we did the exercise is that uh, uh, in difference with the first time we did it, 
and it happened to me both with the woman and with the man, just the moment I started the, uh, doing the exercise, there was much more of uh, the mental wandering was much more emotional. On the first uh, time it was verbal, and on the second mm -hmm. time it was more emotions, either uh, sympathy, empathy, or, 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 or a contrary, both with the woman and the man, but it was more of an emotional rather than a verbal response. Right. Well, specifically, what we want to quiet down is an inappropriate emotional response. We don't want to, you know, quiet down so we don't feel anything. And so that inappropriate response emotionally could be either, as I was saying before, nervousness, paranoia, anxiety, fear, Right? Are these type of things. And even in the spectrum of positive emotions, such as uh, sympathy and love, you don't want it to be an over-emotional response. You know, with, oh, how beautiful, Kalindo, you know, this type of thing as well, because that also actually prevents us from paying attention to the person and uh, responding in an appropriate way, because our emotion is really not connected with the person, it's connected with ourselves. But that's a subtle psychological point, isn't it? But uh, in any case, we're going to learn three methods, and it's the third method that deals with the emotional distraction. Between uh, what he calls a regular shamatha meditation that we do in our everyday practice, like uh, trying to focus on the breath and, and pay attention to it with our sight just looking at the floor, and this exercise with uh, focusing our eyes on the on a picture or on the face of a woman or a man because I think it's very different uh, if I'm just seeing a small side, some little spot of rug I have much less elements to distract my mind that if I'm seeing a face of a person which has uh, thousands of elements to invite me to distraction. So what would be the difference between one and the other exercise? Well, what we're doing, uh, the uh, very initial stages of uh, a shamatha type of practice, and in developing the uh, concentration of shamatha, for those who are not familiar with the term, right, the term means a serenely stilled and settled state of mind, there are many ways of doing this, of, of achieving this state. In the Theravada tradition, it's uh, often done with focusing on sense perception, like the uh, tactile sensation of the breath coming in and out the nose. In the Mahayana traditions, as followed by the Tibetans, we don't do that. We gain this state of concentration with mental consciousness, for example, visualizing a Buddha. And even when in uh, Kagyu and Sakya, methods of Mahamudra, one is actually staring at an object, your focus is not on the sense perception, but it's on the uh, state of the mind. So, in any case, what is the point of gaining concentration? Well, we can say it's to use it to then be able to uh, focus on the understanding of reality, voidness, or uh, to focus stay concentrated in a state of love or compassion and so on. It's not just an end in itself. It's not the Buddhist path. And what is the purpose or function 
of uh, gaining concentration on the understanding of reality and on love and compassion. It's not to just sit there and uh, focus on this. It's to apply this in life with, with people but and I with ourselves. I mean, this is one of the axioms or principles in, uh, in Buddhism that we have to, if we're learning something, we have to see, well, what is its function? What do you apply it to? Where is it leading to? So, what we're doing here is just, uh, instead of doing an abstract exercise to develop concentration, we're going right to the application, you know, because so many Western people, not only Western people, but so many people in uh, Buddhism miss the point of uh, what is the concentration intended for. And so we're using as our focus here other people. And we are using a, a sense consciousness, more in the Theravada sense of looking to the, at the other person and listening to what they say. So the methods are the same as we use in shamatha. We're just you know, using, it, uh, using a uh, uh, different type of object, the ultimate object that we're going to apply uh, our concentration skills to. We concentrate on a particular state of mind or attitude and apply it to people. And the whole reasoning behind this, uh, or the experience out of which, uh, what should we say, the development of this sensitivity program grew, is seeing that Western people have a big problem when, when studying the Dharma, uh, that they tend to approach it like a sport. It's something you train in, it's a sport, it's sort of an extra activity beside your daily life. And the biggest problem that most Westerners face is a big gap between their Dharma practice and applying it to life. And so the whole motive behind developing this program was to show people how to apply Dharma to life. So she wants to ask what of the of the several things that happened to her, what would be the most appropriate response, not most accurate response, according to what the uh, exercise is aimed at. So at the beginning, she started seeing the picture and she felt as though she would be blind because she could not see the other person, she only was seeing her own projections, right? Uh, all the things that uh, that person reminded her according to her own experiences, her own life, etc. It was just a projection, as though she were blind. And then later on, she made her, her best effort to breathe that out, yeah, to breathe that out and allow more space, but then it felt, it felt very artificial very very artificial as though it would be impossible to really be uh, an impolluted recipient right and like an impolluted base totally open so she allowed a space for all the feelings that naturally came out from watching the picture she left the uh, feelings to flow naturally without uh, stopping them in any way, but she felt it was much more of a connection with the heart and not a mental connection. 
Hmm. Well, the method that we're using here is primarily directed toward verbal thinking. Now, it seems it's quite interesting, I'm finding, because uh, although I've taught uh, this year before in Mexico, it uh, hasn't struck me so much uh, as this time, but it seems as though the general pattern here is much more, what should we say, emotional thinking than verbal thinking. In, in Europe, for example, or in the United States, the hugest problem is they can't shut up the voice in their head that's going on constantly, like the radio or television being on constantly, which is the, many people's custom. Because is this an accurate thing? I mean, do you find that, in fact, you're not talking in your head, that it's all, you know, a huge spectrum of feelings? Is that so? Or are you just not paying attention to the fact that there is a lot of verbal stuff going on as well? To say Northern Europeans, Italians, and Spanish are different. Let's have a show of hands. I'm very curious. It will help me in teaching in Latin America. Here we have two choices. Maybe neither of them apply, but let's just have two choices here. Right. One would be that there's a lot of emotional distraction, a lot of emotional feeling, and almost no verbal stuff going on. And the other is that there's a lot of this emotional distraction and feeling, but also there is verbal stuff going on as well, but it doesn't seem to be as strong. I'm assuming that most people have a lot of emotional stuff going on. So, how many people are mostly distracted emotionally, and actually the verbal process is very, very little, the mental verbal process. I mean, uh, he has it, uh, does it count the gender? In any case, and there's very little verbal stuff going on. So not so many. All right, and what about that it's primarily emotional and there's also Verbal. Which one did I say first? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're correct. You're right, correct. and and also there's a lot of verbal stuff going you on. Want to also. Okay, so then we need to apply this breathing out method to both verbalization as well as irrelevant emotions. Irrelevant in the sense that actually we are projecting something unconsciously onto the other person and our emotional responses to this projection from our past history and so on has nothing to do with this person. Because, in fact, we don't even know this person. Actually, they <laughs> have to be open and see what's going on with the person. Yeah, it's like you see a poisonous snake and you don't know what it is. You don't just go, oh, or a tarantula, oh, how cute, and go pet it. You see what it is first. <laughs> Okay, yes. <laughs> I think that the, the, the nervousness of this and laughter, that means that most everybody has the same... Yes, that's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> well, uh, she said that uh, during, uh, in the second exercise, what she uh, noticed of herself is that the difference, the difference in the gestures or the attitude of these two uh, people, that the, the first, the woman was in... Uh, she, her expression on the face 
was an expression of trying to please, trying mm -hmm. to please, while uh, the guy has a much more seductive uh, expression. So, well, she found it, she found it very <laughs> seductive, and uh, most everyone <laughs> agreed. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, she realized that this was uh, really dis distracting her. So what she tried to do is, rather than uh, stopping the verbalization on that, it was just this feeling of either trying to please or to seduct, trying to breathe that out, to breathe that out, and focusing on the uh, only, instead of on the whole face, just focusing on the two brilliant points in the eyes, as mm -hmm. to be able to deconstruct uh, with, mm -hmm. without this, mm -hmm. uh, these two perceptions. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very good. That's very good, because often, often, what we're responding to is a projection, the, you know, the judgment that this person is trying to please, this person is trying to seduce, you know, they may not have that intention at all. This is why later on, part three of the training is how do we evaluate the appearances that we see and how do we deconstruct it if it's just a projection. That's and very important. So that comes later. First, all we're doing here is quieting down. And the method that we're learning of breathing out is simplest, you know, I mean, in terms of letting go of the projection. But you, know, you can't prevent the projection from reappearing again and again unless you really uh, deconstruct it in a much more insightful way. I mean, it starts to get very sophisticated because, you know, there can be... I'm thinking of a tone of voice. There are groups in India, Punjabis, for example, and in the United States in some of the deep southern states that the tone of voice, the natural tone of voice that they use is very loud and sounds very aggressive, whereas in fact it's not. I mean, that's not what is behind it. So you may, in fact, even accurately see that or, or, or know that this is a loud forceful voice, or this is a, a type of look that could be seductive, but in fact that's not at all the intention behind it. So, you know, it's, it gets very delicate. Exactly. The easiest thing is, is at the moment to breathe it out. Okay, one... Okay, good. Then, let us, uh, before we have our lunch break, learn a little bit of the second method, quiet the mind. And uh, this is a method which is uh, coming from the Dzogchen tradition, which is one of the traditions that is taught within Tibetan Buddhism in some of its schools. And uh, here, what we are uh, doing is working with the image that thoughts, particularly verbal thoughts, although other thoughts as well, like writing on water. Right? They are like writing on water. That's exactly what I said. So, when uh, we write on water, what happens? Right. The writing and the disappearing, the arising and disappearing of the writing is simultaneous. It's uh, not that at first you write it and then a little while later it disappears. We're not talking about the waves and so on. We're not talking about the waves. Let's not get too scientific here. Right. Okay? So, in fact, there's nothing substantial there in the writing. So, 
we uh, apply this primarily with verbal thinking. If we find that the first method is not effective, you know, if our verbal thoughts are really very compelling, like, uh, for instance, when uh, we're really worried and, you know, the voice in our head is producing all these worried, paranoid type of things, you know, you know, why are they late, why is this happening, why is that, you know, and so on. Or we can't pay attention because we're upset about something that happened weeks ago or whatever, and we're still talking about it in our head. We're not paying attention to the person who's in front of us. What we do is we try to slow down the verbal thought. So that, of course, requires quite a bit of attention to be able to do that. So we slow it down and think uh, each word at a time. In fact, each syllable of each word, one at a time. And we imagine it to be like writing on water. We ima- no, we imagine it to be like writing on water. Okay, so let's look at what we mean by this. First of all, we are not doing a visualization process. Right? It's not that we. It's not a spelling exercise in which you imagine writing the words on water. What we're working with is a feeling, which is of course a vague word in our languages, but a feeling that the process of thinking these words, it feels like the process of writing on water. Right? And so we do this syllable by syllable, word by word, with the thought. So let's try this with an example. It would be good if we could use a a word that has several syllables. What about tape recorder in uh, Spanish? What's the word? The tape recorder is broken. Hmm. Okay? So, try thinking that syllable by syllable. Right? And try to have this feeling when you think la... That this is like writing on water. That the thought arises and disappears simultaneously. Alright, then gra, de, to, the Go like this, you know, syllable by syllable. Alright, like that. And just see what happens. Don't force it, but just observe what happens with the thought. What do you experience? Uh, she says that you she couldn't even get to the second syllable. Mm-hmm. And what were the others saying? Uh, they they just dilute. Mm-hmm. Dilute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I felt uh, and from the first moment you you made the proposition. Of, of this exercise, even before we did it, I realized that I usually m- my thoughts I print them in cement, mm-hmm. and now just so to say printing them in water was so very relaxing. Mm. If I get to the point of slowing down and slowing down the pace of the uh, of the thought, even when I'm thinking it or or saying it, if I do it slow enough, the gap between each syllable grow and grow and, and there's space when there 
previously uh, it was a clutter and there mm. was no space. Right. I mean, what most people experience is that this method completely takes the energy out of the thought. And okay. not only does it take the energy out of the thought, it takes the meaning out of the thought as well. And so uh, if we can apply this, I mean, it's a difficult uh, method to apply. It requires quite a lot of practice that really just stops the thought, just quiets the mind immediately. So if the first method, you know, just breathing out, is too gentle, it's not strong enough, then we apply the second method of writing on water. It gives me the sensation of tiredness, of uh, it's so tired of so much thought. Mm, right? Yes. Very good. Very good. Not, but please, not that it makes us tired. <laughs> it, she says it's like if I only would feel my finger wet. Mm. Right. Now, this method is a little bit more difficult to apply with nonverbal thinking. And uh, usually it's not discussed in, uh, in those terms. Y generalmente no nonverbal thinking. Hmm. But we could use it with images, you know, uh, mental movies, mental images, and so on, in a creative sense. If I can uh, come up with an image, you know, the writing on water doesn't work very well with, a, with an image or a movie, but sort of like, you know, if you have a projection for one instance, like a flash done on water, it doesn't stick on the water doesn't and so uh, one could work with this with images or mental movies but actually it's much more difficult is it like a dream well everything is like a dream right, to recognize things to be like a dream is uh, something else that's one has to be very delicate in applying that and know specifically what are the implications of applying to see everything like a dream because uh, if you apply it incorrectly then you don't take anything seriously you know, know somebody is crying and they're upset well it's like a dream so what uh, <laughs> it, it, so the seeing everything like a dream is to help us to overcome solidifying things and getting very uh, attached to them you know that oh, Definitely uh, like this. Or in our sensitivity type of uh, context, somebody is screaming and yelling and upset at us. If you see it like a dream, then in a sense you don't take it, you know, to be so solid they don't love me anymore. Type of way. That uh, it takes the over-exaggerated impact that it might have on us away so that, well, but you don't go to the other extreme of it, you don't respond at all. Then you need to respond, but not, you know, oh my dear God, they don't love me anymore, and taking it as solid and concrete that this now is the way that they permanently are forever in terms of our, our relation. Last question. Feeling or the conclusion, conclusion to uh, that that I got with this exercise of writing water 
is that uh, as you're riding in water, you're not, you're, you're not leaving any trace. You go on with your life, but without leaving any trace. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another method, actually. <laughs> right? uh, there are many analogies that are used in the Mahamudra teachings for thought. And one is that your thoughts are like a bird flying through the sky without, that doesn't leave a trace. Uh, so it's just another image. I mean, one, I, we, I've only chosen three for uh, the training, but there's uh, actually quite a long list of images that uh, we can use to help quiet extraneous thinking process. Okay, so before we take our lunch break, let us try this uh, method for a few minutes. So here we'll use whichever of these uh, two pictures elicited in us the most verbal thought. So we, uh, again, quiet down first without Before. looking at the picture. And uh, if there are any uh, mental movies or images, we can use the image of a you know, momentary flash on water. And to uh, help uh, remind ourselves if you know, we get lost, we can use the keyword riding on water. And let the experience settle. 